0: So, for those who haven't played Chrono Trigger, first off, play Chrono Trigger. It's an amazing game. Liz will 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 swear by it. Chrono Trigger is amazing. It's amazing. See, I I got lost in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Just as a reminder, this is a spoiler heavy podcast. The notes for what series will and summaries might pop up will be in the description. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of gaming theater podcast today's episode on gaming theater process is about the nine alignments from dungeons and dragons and how you can fit different antagonists for that so the nine alignments and their antagonists now before we get started we have a couple of guests that are going to be hopping on and helping to explain stuff like this for us or even correct me if i'm getting my alignments all mixed up once again to so let's get ourselves introduced my name is leo i'm the geek scorpio my name is rob uh
1: I play some voices on Gaming Theater Presents. I am also a game design student.
2: Uh, This is Zombie Hand, also known as Liz. Uh, I do some voices for gaming theater and sometimes man the games that we play, and I guess could be considered a co-creator of the channel.
3: Hi, I'm Ty. Uh, I'm guest uh, for today, and uh, I play way too much D&D. Uh, So <laughs> that's where my experience comes into here.
0: Great. Uh, before we get started, let's take a quick trip over to the Magical Merch Booth. Hi, everyone. This is Geek Scorpio.
2: And Zombie Hand for Gaming Theater Podcast.
0: For the month of August, we have decided to team up with a local charity called Simply Cats.
2: Simply Cats got its start with just six cats as Just Strays Animal Foundation, Inc., in the late 1980s. By 2005, the name of the shelter was changed to Simply Cats Adoption Center to reflect its feline-only animal population.
0: Their mission is to save cats from suffering euthanasia and practicing and promoting high standards of care for and creating successful adoptions.
2: A link will be featured in the podcast description where you can find out more information on Simply Cats, including how to donate, support, or even make an adoption.
0: We have a lot of cat lovers that work with us at Aiming Theater, so, For the month of August, we are donating $5 per Patreon supporter to Simply Cats.
2: Not only do we support Simply Cats, but that's where my cat, Phoenix, comes from. You may have heard him in the background of some of our recordings.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you take a look at Simply Cats. But for now, back to the show. Alright, so today's episode is all about the nine alignments that exist in... Dungeons and Dragons and how they relate to different stories and storytellings. For some people who haven't um, looked into it, Dungeons and Dragons is no short task to say there is a good portion of video games that are designed because of Dungeons and Dragons. You can trace that all the way back to the games such as Ultima, Final Fantasy, and very early RPGs when they spin off. And then certain games nowadays, like the Baldur's Gate series, are direct representation of Dungeons and Dragons and such. But one of the things that Dungeons & Dragons has introduced to the world is their alignment system. Now, real quick, before we get started, let's kind of explain the alignment system a little bit. The alignment system was one, I believe, that started back in first, even as early on as the first edition. And it had been a staple for Dungeons & Dragons for many different classes and characters. Generally speaking, it's it's sort of defined parts and pieces of role play is what they were originally meant for
3: if if i remember correctly in the original settings of of dungeons and dragons sorry to cut in uh no you're fine go ahead uh in the original like first few editions certain classes were restricted by their alignments you had to play a lawful good character to be a paladin and that's where that's where the joke you know lawful stupid paladins come from (laughs)
0: Um, I'm a paladin. I better say I got to do this. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh I do know that I believe you had a you could if you were playing a rogue back in the original ones, you couldn't be any uh, higher than chaotic good at at the bottom barrel for it. Uh, uh I don't Any no, chaotic neutral. Yeah. That's what it was. You couldn't be Well, so for for anyone who's not
1: particularly familiar with the alignment system, it's actually on two axes the first axis is the law axis where you are either lawful or you're chaotic or you're neutral and the other axis is the good evil one so you are either good or evil or neutral and you basically you pick one from each category resulting in nine potential choices lawful good lawful neutral lawful evil or chaotic good chaotic neutral chaotic evil or neutral
0: good, neutral neutral, or neutral evil. Yeah, so generally I believe it's about 4th edition, and I know it's not in 5th edition. They just sort of got rid of it. And mostly from my understanding it's because of sort of like pigeon-holding your characters. Um, just because you are a bad guy, or as the saying goes, just because I'm a bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
1: Well, the, the alignment system is technically present in 5th edition. It yeah. just doesn't have any effect on anything.
3: Yeah, it's, it's flavor text at this point. Well, kind of. There's some spells and stuff in 5th in edition now, like detect good and evil and stuff like that, that tell you what they are. So it helps players find, you know, the good people and the bad people. But that doesn't necessarily mean... Like, it's, it's really hand wavy <laughs> C- compared to like hard set rules and laws mm-hmm.
0: like originally most of those were sort of an uh, in-game way of doing um so for example uh when a character say is fighting a vampire and they're hol- holding up a holy symbol that's one of the things that the alignment was supposed to represent in older DDs, is this is you imposing this good against something that's very clearly evil mm-hmm. um so clerics had to deal with that and a lot. Now, where we some of us do use it in modern times, and is it's great for a way of sort of explaining characters. It's a shorthand for that. Um, instead of trying to go through a sixteen-page backstory, I could just say, "Yeah, he's lawful good."
3: Yeah, it's it. Uh, it's compartmentalization.
0: Now, so and at least three fourths of us have GM'd or game or DM'd a a tabletop role-playing game of one, one sort or another. So, what we're kind of wanting to explore here is the idea of an antagonist, an opposing force to your heroes, to your main characters. And if done right, you can do have an antagonist for any one of these categories. And that's where we're going to explore today. A good shorthand for character creation and what characters would be best fit in those categories. Just as a side note, this is all opinion. So, you know, anybody here who's like, that's not how it is leave us a message or something uh, on Twitter, but... So, without further ado, let's start with probably the easiest one to figure out how you do a bad guy. The first alignment that I want to talk about today is chaotic evil. From my understanding, as I put it, chaotic evil is typically your... basically your purest type of evil evil. They do... These are creatures and things that do bad things and just cause chaos and want to... Rip, thi- rip, and tear things apart. They really don't have a rhyme or a reason for it. And nine times out of ten, negotiations are just out the door. They know exactly who they are and what they're doing, and this is where it's going to go through. I,
3: I think like early Disney films had probably like the best version of evil for evil's sake. Uh like usually when you think chaotic mm-hmm. evil, you think you know like absolute crazy people full bent on destruction like no maleficent from sleeping beauty absolutely chaotic evil character but she was insanely intelligent it's just she knew she was doing evil she knew she was the bad guy and it was just like yeah i'm living this and i'm fine with that yep
0: this is my life this is what i do now (laughs) yep (laughs) it's just as a reminder one of my favorite series out there is the evil dead series evil dead that whole thing the evil dead that's it they are literally, it's in the name, they're evil and they're dead, enjoy. They don't even care that much to spread their evil around, just once it's open, enjoy, deal with the evil. Ultimately, they they care about like one thing, which is killing Ash, and even then, it just whatever evil and chaos that they can spring to the world, that's them. It's it's literally a side quest to kill the main character. <laughs> should we should we spread our evil to the dark beings? Eh, As long as somebody has the book, that's pretty much the minimum requirement. Then if you have the necrocalcon, <laughs> that's it. We're good.
3: Yeah, uh chaotic evil villains are very low maintenance and very easy to do. Um making a really good chaotic evil villain um definitely you have to put in a little bit more legwork for them to make sense. But um, the setup for them is literally, hey, you're evil. That's all you are. You don't need to be, you can't be persuaded. You can't be bribed or changed of heart. You can't like talk no jutsu your way out of it. Nah, uh, there's no coming back for that. From a writing standpoint, really, I mean, the, it,
1: you get a lot of flack for doing an antagonist who's chaotic evil because it's seen as lazy, but there's really nothing inherently wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're, you know, if you're presenting a story where your morality is pretty black and white, there's really nothing wrong with having someone who's just sort of inherently evil to be the bad guy. You know, if you don't want your story to be exploring the
0: moral implications of good and evil. This is where you go. This is how you do it. There's some really good examples in some of my favorite games that are some of my favorite things I have it. Uh, Doomsday, uh, total antagonist for Superman, pretty much has one job, kill Superman. Everything else that gets in the way, eh. (laughs) The bandits from Borderlands is another good example. Those bandits are just regular, uh, just going down there, gone crazy, attack mode, oh, go. Yeah, I mean, most, most enemy mooks
1: that you're going to be facing in a video game are probably going to be chaotic evil goblins or orcs or whatever that's just you know you just need something that your player can kill without feeling guilty about it
3: uh in in most DD games the most common like super evil is goblins i mean like it's it's the classic fantasy villain is is you know cave of goblins and so, like it's it's easy to make a super evil villain to fight., um, to make them make sense is a little weirder. and in like, and like Rob said, uh, you can get a lot of flack for it. but I mean, when you wanna just throw, you know, black and white out there, just, you know, you want you want the good guy to beat up the bad guy. That's it. like it's it's a simple, nice story of good triumphing evil. You just go chaotic evil.
0: It's it's. If uh, anybody here has played the Sweet Coden series, in Sweet Coden two, one that uh, one of the first villains that you deal with is Luca Blight, completely psychotically evil. Okay, this is a guy who burns down a village just because it got in the way of him getting to the other village that I need to burn down. That's that's sort of his. He's got uh he's in a weird position because essentially. The opposing army that you're dealing with just sends him out to 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 take people down, and he's so good at the end, so destructive, no one wants to tell him no or to stop him. They just let him run rampant. Peace talks weren't even considered until after he's removed from the board. That's how bad this is. It is very satisfactory to with, uh, when you actually beat him in the game. But good lord, the amount of evil not wanting to go down is crazy. It's like a three-part fight and you have to send wave after wave of... Art. You have to almost zap Branigan your way through this and send wave after wave of enemies until he finally goes down.
3: Oh, jeez. Uh, you know what? There's an anime that I watched um, called Akamega Kill. I watched it a while back. There was a, a character... Like, that if you want to show like an anime that is almost entirely black and white there, or not really black and white. It's kind of all morally gray, but like super dark morally gray. Um, there's one character who is so black and white in her view of the world. She is absolute chaotic evil. She just wants combat. She just wants murder. And that is like the, the big, um, end boss of the anime as death. And she has like ice powers and all this stuff. But literally she's working for a corrupt government that she knows is corrupt. She could totally fix the entire system if she wanted to by herself. And she just doesn't because the corrupt government just kept sending her on on combat missions. And she was fine with that. I'm good. Yeah, she's just like, I just want to murder. That's it. You keep sending me out for murdering. I won't kill you. That's how it is.
1: Kind of going along with the examples of why this is definitely not a bad trope. Arguably the most famous villain and probably the most popular of all time, the Joker from Batman, is Chaotic Evil, no question. Yeah. And unlike a lot of examples of this, he's actually leaning into it. Part of his character is that he's trying to be chaotic. He is specifically... An antithesis to the lawful Batman, for certain definitions of lawful.
3: Yeah, yeah, for, for very certain definitions of it.
1: But he's specifically going out of his way to do things that people don't expect. He's trying to be a force of chaos just for the sake of chaos.
3: Yeah, there, there's definitely one instance of that that i really do love about the like we keep talking about the chaotic evils and stuff um but yeah like the joker is a perfect version of what chaotic evil really does represent because he's just this charismatic force that no one wants to screw with like even superman um and all that other stuff like most of the dc heroes don't want to ever touch the joker because they know he just can't be handled by, like, almost anyone. Because, like, aside from Batman, no one wants to deal with him.
0: The way I uh, it's been described is that there is, uh, is that Batman will, if just like, well, I think it's one Superman comic or show. Superman's like, yeah, it's just a Joker, I'll deal, I'll deal with it. And Batman just says, okay, you gotta be careful, you gotta take more, take steps, ignores it, immediately goes into a coma. <laughs> dealing with uh, the joker
3: because you can never expect anything um like literally that's how injustice happened mm-hmm. is is just the joker got tired of losing to batman and is just like you know what i'm gonna go cause an apocalypse by using superman why not you know that's just the thing and like he expected to die too that's probably like he wanted to die by superman to prove a point that's all. This was was to prove a point to Batman.
0: Just reminds me of an old uh, Batman the animated series that I loved. It uh, that episode, which is, um, he is that the Joker is about to fight the U.S. government because on the basis of the fact that he can't put smiling faces on fishes because fish is a natural resource commodity. That's that's
3: hilarious. <laughs>
0: He's like, you you just can't. It's a natural resource. It's like putting a copyright on gold. You can't just do that. Before we move on to the next step, uh, there's one I wanted to ask, and and we'll uh, we'll have a better understanding of this, mostly because you know um, Alan Wake better than I do. Uh, Mr. Scratch.
2: I just want to preface this, Rob, that I didn't put this one on the list.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this this is all me. That's Um, fine.
2: Brandon would have had something to say about it.
0: Oh, yeah, he would. Anyway. Uh,
2: so yes, I love Alan Wake. Uh, Mister Scratch is a villain that was he was create. It's it's kind of a long story, but ultimately he was actually created to be a doppelganger of Alan Wake at the end of the first game. But he doesn't become like prolific until the DLC, um, Alan Wake's American Nightmare, where he is the main antagonist. Um, and he. He was created. So, Alan is a is a writer, and he is actually known to be a little bit volatile at times. But like, so he punched a reporter once. He's kind of not always super nice to his like more especially clingy fans and like people that irritate him. He's not just gonna like shrug it off and be nice. Um, and he is known for like when he's on tours and stuff, like partying and getting drunk. And so, uh, Mr. Scratch was created as a doppelganger of Alan, but based purely off of the, um, public, like, interpretation, I guess, of Alan. Like, how the public sees Alan. And so, they see, yeah, like a persona. And so, they see Alan as, like, a very talented man who, you know, is very charismatic. Um, because he does. Like, there's one... There's, like, one point you watch an interview with him in the actual game, and uh, he is very charismatic, and he's very, like, like you know, friendly as needed, I guess. Um, and so, Mr. Scratch is created to be charismatic and outgoing, but also extremely volatile and temperamental, and so in Alan Wake's American Nightmare, he is there to taunt Alan, um, but he's out in the real world or what Alan thinks is the real world holding parties and like getting people super like invested and having a good time. And then he'll take somebody into the back room and kill them. And he has a little TV that he there's, so there's TVs around the dark place that Alan is trapped in. um, And Alan will find these TVs and be forced to watch this person wearing his face, killing people or, torturing people and it like it's pretty rough but he is purely there for like shits and giggles he's there for funsies like he's not there to do anything like his motivation is to be this version of alan and so like that's it he's there to mess with alan and he because of the way he was created um he was like, he had no chance. <laughs> he just had no chance but to be chaotic
0: evil. So, I wanted to read it off with that one because on the basis of I think it's ironic to have a video game about a writer and us telling you that, you know what, chaotic evil isn't bad. It's just as long as you have a decent, good enough writer. And sometimes you just need a force to be reckoned with. Now... The next one after that, though, is going to be the neutral evil. Neutral evil characters tend to be as we understand it is that they will do bad things, but they really don't care about the law. They don't go out of their way to break the law, but they have no qualms doing bad things for it. I, I think this is one of the things that trips a lot of people up
1: about the alignment system, because we know what lawful is. We know what chaos is. What's neutral? Where do you draw the line between I follow the law, but not all of it yeah. and I don't follow the law, but I'm not out to break
3: i I think personally, this is where I put like most villains who are out for revenge like these are like the revenge plot people where they're just like i I want you dead, and i don't I don't care about breaking the laws. I'm not going to try to, but I'm just, I want to make sure that person suffers, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, like, I know whatever act I'm doing is bad, but I'm mostly doing it to get you, specifically.
3: Yeah, it's, it's like a bad self-justification.
0: Like, a weird example, but it keeps popping up over and over again, that I bumped into, is your classic Scooby-Doo villains. They're not... Your classic Scooby-Doo villains is usually a guy in a mask, typically trying to scare people away from a place just because they uh, he wants to get some, I don't know, diamonds that's buried at the bottom of this house. Or a real estate scam. or s- Gold, w- Spanish doubloons come up an awful lot in Louisiana, yeah. apparently.
3: Uh, I'd definitely say that like Scooby-Doo
0: villains would fit mostly into neutral and lawful evil. mm mm-hmm. Because they're not actually going out to... they, Especially Scooby-Doo villains. Murder isn't their first instinct. They just want them away to deal with whatever problems they have. Yeah. The, and I think that's where people get tripped up on Neutral Evil. In Neutral Evil's case, there's no... In Chaotic Evil, it's all about... Okay, I'm going to dist- do as much destruction and such just to get to my end point. Neutral Evil doesn't want to do that destruction or stuff but if it happens eh. Well, I think particularly with Scooby-Doo Bones, and even more particularly with the real estate scam which is
1: probably the most common thing in the original Scooby-Doo cartoon like real estate scams was like the crime of the 70s I guess <laughs> um, but so like what they're doing sometimes isn't even illegal
3: yeah yeah no that's why I said it's lawful evil <laughs> yeah, that, that's why he said it's lawful evil because they're just bending the law to do what they want.
1: In in general, it's not illegal to scare somebody. You know, the, you might be able to draw somebody up on like disturbance of the peace laws or something like that, but it's kind of reaching. You know, especially if they're trying to scare you away from a place that's abandoned. Like, no one, no one's going into the old abandoned mine outside of town anyway.
3: The only reason they're going there is to investigate the weird ghost zombie that just appeared.
0: Do, do we have to worry about anything? Unless there's a, bu- a group of teenagers or young adults with a talking dog, we should be okay here.
3: <laughs> like, legitimately, if they didn't make up the scams that they did half the time, they could have literally gotten away with it without any trouble. The problem was, is like they they thought they had to do something and i think that's kind of where uh where i kind of want to tie this into neutral evil is that neutral evil is kind of the idea you have to do something um and you don't know if it's right or wrong and it's yeah and you're just justifying it
0: so a way I've been from the research I've been doing for neutral evil, this is your henchman evil. They're not out they're just working for the bad guy. A good example of that is in Kim Possible. Shigo. Shigo does not do plans. Shigo just works for Draken. Draken makes the plans. Shigo's just like, Alright, I'll fight things because that's my job. And Shigo knows it's the villain. Good to go. Yeah, no. Pretty much most of the Fire Nation, as far as Avatar is concerned, is also... Yeah. Uh, I might I might disagree on that point. Um,
1: the Fire Nation are following laws. It's just they're following Fire Nation laws. The Fire Nation King <laughs> might be neutral evil, but the Fire Nation itself is following his rule. Fire Lord
3: Ozai? And then you have Azula, who's definitely chaotic evil. Yeah. Oh yeah, Azula's just crazy. She needs just to go down. just full on crazy. Um, yeah, no, I I like the idea that like neutral evil is the like this is my job. This is what I'm kind of like. It's what I was hired for, so I'm doing it because I was told to. Like it's the placing blame on someone else kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um. These are ones like um. I think if you want to go with the turtles reference, Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> oh without the shredder, God, they I do like nothing. That.
3: I haven't heard those names in forever. Oh,
0: but yeah, they were like a low rent gang and pretty much didn't go anywhere unless the Shredder told them to do something.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally see it. And like, like this is a kind of a weird thing. This is what I do a lot in my games too. In in my D and D games, is like I'll have the grunts be like, "Oh yeah, we're we're here to do our work and our job, and you know we're we're doing really." you know not good things but we're getting paid for it and they're that's like i think neutral evil is when you can start to like negotiate with with the villains
0: mm-hmm. you start to because i think in neutral evil it's essentially it's almost the case of we're doing evil things but that's because bill over here is also doing evil things
3: yeah like we're doing this because realistically we're kind of in a position where we have to not because we want to.
1: So it
3: it's not the way
1: everyone defines good and evil, but the way I generally define good and evil, especially in regards to the alignment chart, is how much you are willing to sacrifice your own needs or others' needs. So like, mm. if you are willing to sacrifice other people's wants and needs in order to serve your own, that makes you evil. If you're willing to sacrifice your own wants and needs in order to fulfill the wants and needs of others, that makes you good. And so, like, a reason I think a lot of mooks fall into this category is they understand they're doing evil. They understand they're hurting other people, but it benefits them, and that's the more important part.
3: Okay, so it's it's a sliding scale.
0: Oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, a weird example, but after after going through it, um, in Chrono Trigger, one of the villains that you deal with is Magus, who is presented as a big main villain, but only, like at the halfway point of the game really and they just know uh, so for those who haven't played Chrono Trigger first off play Chrono Trigger it's an amazing game liz will will, will swear by it chrono trigger is amazing it's amazing see i i got lost in it <laughs> <laughs> it's fine in chrono trigger the main villain uh is this creature called Lavos which basically is trying to destroy the the is going to destroy the world at some point in the future in Chrono Trigger, your main goal is to try to stop it. At some point in the storyline, though, you uh, they find out that there's a large summoning ritual that's being planted by this guy, uh, by this guy named Magus. And so, once they find out about that, there was a summoning ritual for Magus. Now, Magus is the bad guy. If we stop Magus, we can stop lavas from being summoned, and everything is co- is kosher. That's the plan. <laughs> you go through there. You deal with Magus. Magus hasn't even lifted a finger. To, uh, has basically stopped fighting anyone up until this border of a bridge. He has an army, but they're all on standing in defense right now. He doesn't. It, it, he just wants to stop that because his biggest concern is trying to d- also, as you find out, deal with Lavo's. And the interesting thing about it is, this is where at towards the end of the game he can hmm. switch, and, and if you do things right, he will join your party to stop Lavo's because. Yeah, he might be the bad guy, but Lavos is way worse. Yeah, that's fair. Look, I might stop a, I might hold on to my own country, but, you know, Lavos is going to destroy the planet, guaranteed.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's when you just go like, you know what? Truce, truce. Truce. <laughs> Let's stop that
0: guy in particular.
1: I think that's actually a good point. I hadn't really considered that for Magus, because he's not really lawful, but he's also not really chaotic. Mm-mm. You know, he, yeah. he'll infiltrate... Other governments, you know, to bring them down. But, like, he's not going after the government specifically. It's just a means to an end. For him, the end is defeating Lavos, which would be more of a chaotic evil being. Magus really only uses the law when it benefits him. Otherwise, he'll discard it.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's, that's, I I think that's probably. From what I've heard of the character, because once again, I got lost on Chrono Trigger. So I like got through like the first three cutscenes. I I, like from the descriptions. Like, yeah, no, this this definitely is probably a pretty textbook for like what neutrality would be the epitome of, uh, which is you can switch between acts of destruction and acts of manipulation uh, to get what you want. Basically, uh, do I need to work with these people to get what I want? I'll work with them. Do I need to destroy these people to get what I want? I'll destroy them. But, you know, whatever is the, I think, quickest way to get, to get your benefits.
2: Um, 100%. Just play Chrono Trigger with a guide. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
3: No. Yeah.
2: It's so it's so worth it and so good. And that's just my aside because I agree with what you're saying. But I, if you like old school RPGs,
3: oh, I, Chrono I, Trigger's I, so good. Yeah, like the five areas I could access. I I loved playing it. <laughs> that
0: that's <laughs> and it's it's such a good one.
3: It is. It, it's such a good game. But uh, yeah. I'm probably going to uh, restart my save file and find find a guide.
0: Now, I don't know if this falls under neutral evil, because I keep seeing the name pop up when I did some research. Uh, Mr. Burke from Fallout 3. Mr. Burke, if I recall, is a guy who asks you... So in Fallout 3, one of the first towns you go to is a place called Megaton. In the center of Megaton is a giant atomic bomb that has, not, that has fallen... Still leaking radiation, but has not detonated. Um, you have two a couple of options with that. One of the things that you could do is go the good route and get your repair skill up and fix the and wire the bomb so it doesn't blow up at all. But you can also go into a bar, and you'll find a guy named Mister Burke there. And Mister Burke, because his employer told him to do this, um, has a detonating the, a detonator that you can attach to to the nuke. Now, it's it, just to explain it, you are going to level a city if you hit this button. That's just what's going to happen on that. But at, well, I think it stops you in two points of the game, basically asking you, you sure you want to do this? Because there's no coming back from this one.
3: You changed the map by pressing this button. You know that, right? Just
1: making sure this button... It, it, did you do all those quests in Megaton? Are you sure? Did you get that EXP? Because they're not there anymore after this blows up. But the thing
0: is that Mr. Burke is isn't, it, it, isn't, uh, could physically do it himself. He's just not going to. Well, he doesn't do it himself because he's suspect. Um, basically, the sheriff
1: already knows that he's not a good guy, and so he's keeping an eye on. You, who are basically brand new in town, you're a nameless, faceless person, you could get in there. Nobody would even notice.
0: Mm-hmm. And here, Joanna Josephs, you install this. But basically, Mr. Burke only, o- only operates on orders, and that's about it. He just waits for a guy. Ga- He's been waiting there for, what, probably weeks on end, waiting for some patsy to come by? <laughs> um, For context, too, Mr. Burke's boss, uh, I
1: believe it was Mr. Tenpenny. Yeah, is Tenpenny. Um, is 100% chaotic evil, mm-hmm. because the reason he wants to get rid of Megaton... Is he doesn't like the way it looks from his balcony on his t- his giant rich person tower. It's, you know, it's it's messing up the horizon line. It's an eyesore. I want it gone. Better blow it up. The truest that sort is, of...
3: That is the most 1% reasoning for evil. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't
1: the like it. truest sort it. of, of reasoning
2: I've ever heard. <laughs> It's an
1: eyesore. And, and Mr. Bruce, specifically in the Fallout universe, that's kind of an interesting point to make, though, because there really is not a lot of law in Fallout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a post-apocalypse. The law is, do you have a gun and can you defend yourself? That's the law.
3: I, I don't, if I, I'm trying to remember correctly, but does Fallout call it good and evil? Or do they call it something else? For their, their um, alignment.
1: Well, it's they use a karma-based system, yeah. uh, but it is basically good or evil. There's There actually is no lawful or evil in Fallout, or lawful or chaos in Fallout. There's only good and evil. Yeah.
0: Because chaos is all around you. It's a post-apocalyptic waste. <laughs> oh god, what would the Brotherhood of Steel be? Uh, they'll be coming up in a later part of this. I have plans for okay. them. <laughs> but oh. they are on this. See, uh, let's move <laughs> off of uh, neutral evil. So neutral evil, we kind of established with that. The next set that's going to be on this list is your bum 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 lawful evil. Lawful evil, I find is actually kind of a fun evil, to if you can call it that. Lawful evil characters will and villains and antagonists will use the law to either do an evil act or gain their means, or alternatively do evil to keep the law going. So, um they are they knowingly do bad things, but uh, but it's either to maintain that status quo with the law or to uh, to push that law forward. So, a lot of these the reason why I find them to be fun antagonists is because to manipulate the law, a lot of these are a type of chess master or magnificent bastard type of characters. These are the uh, the villains which plans 16 steps ahead because they don't want the law to get to they don't want to disturb the
1: law in place. I, I think it's important to note especially since we are talking villains here the the general consensus for for D&D lawful and mind you this is again this is open to interpretation but for most people when they're talking about lawful in D&D they're not necessarily talking about like the same law that we have now with law and order and police and stuff. Lawful in this case means there's some structure that you're following, but it's not necessarily the same that one that everyone else is following. So a lot of mafia bosses are lawful evil. They're not following the law of the land, but they are following their own law and they don't break it.
3: Yeah. It's basically like a a code of conduct or like, uh, like the Bushido code, but for villainy,
0: these are the rules that we do not break like, at all. These are the rules that we stick by.
1: So there's actually one I kind of wanted to talk about here. And I know everyone, but there's a lot of awesome lawful evil villains to talk about. But this, this is a very recent one that I started watching in a show called Monkey Kid. Um, you might not have heard of it because it's pretty much Chinese only. And it only recently made it over to the States uh and in a lot of ways it hasn't officially made it over to the states (laughs) but there's a villain in there called the lady bone demon uh monkey kid is based loosely based on uh the journey to the west it's sort of like what happens 2000 years after the journey to the west happened so it's more set in modern times monkey king is still alive and a lot of characters from the book are still alive because they're immortal but there's also a lot of new characters um and it's also loosely based because Lady Bone Demon in Journey to the West was not that powerful of a villain, but she is crazy powerful in Monkey Kid, easily the most dangerous villain in the entire show.
3: Is this like the, the like Lego animated one?
1: This is, yes. It is based on a Lego set. Yeah. <laughs> it is fantastic. I will 100% recommend it. You should go watch it. It's phenomenal.
3: I've I've seen some animation videos of it. It looks fantastic.
1: It really is. Lady Bone Demon's big thing is destiny. Everything she does is about fulfilling destiny. And she believes that her destiny is to destroy the universe and remake it. Huh. She doesn't really like the way that the universe is going. A lot of mortals are suffering and the people in the celestial realm don't care. And so she wants to wipe all that out and rebuild it so that everything's fair. And that means hurting a lot of people. Yeah.
3: To kind of uh, wipe the slate, you kind of have to wipe the slate.
1: Yeah. Um, and so she's very, like, she she's a very strong hand-to-hand fighter, but she rarely does because she mostly works through manipulation. She gets other people mm-hmm. to do her bidding instead. And she often works on sort of exact words, promises. She winds up betraying more than one person by promising them that she will fulfill their destiny, but it turns out your destiny
0: is to die for my plan.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: I don't I don't like where this is going. Can I just get a a, a refund on that maybe? Sorry, no refunds, it's destiny.
3: <laughs> you know, speaking about like this character in particular, it reminds me of so I watched a lot of Bleach as a kid. Um, a lot of villains in Bleach actually would qualify as lawful evil.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh,
3: like, the big one, obviously, is Aizen. You know, the fucking 3,000-year plan or whatever it is. Um, like, he's definitely a lawful evil villain. He legitimately has his own code of conduct. There's another, uh, person who's, uh, Kaname. The, uh the blind soul reaper um he he actually would not qualify as lawful evil he would actually qualify as something else uh you i think he'd be chaotic good but um the final villain of the series you watch or however you pronounce that weird weird name it starts with a y it's like yw it's it's weird but basically his entire thing is he is destined, in his mind, he is destined to become the new god. And he is going to find god, kill god, and take god's power. (laughs) And because of that, he has to systematically take down every single character in the series. Um, But he does it in such a weird way. Everything's about following an order he doesn't just swarm because he c- totally could no he he literally takes out pieces at a time and just slowly takes away resources from everyone and it's <laughs> it, it's such a weird plan um I, I should probably go to a little bit more so you watch uh basically was in a super coma. He lost all of his powers and basically went into stasis for a thousand years. And basically on the last day of that thousand years in the last like 10 days or so, he regains all of his powers like incrementally. Huh. So like in the, like the first day he gains the ability to be awake and then he gains like sight, hearing, and all this other stuff.
0: And now loading power set. Hang on a second.
3: Yeah. And to, to be completely blunt, this dude at full power walked into God's castle and just demolished everyone without even trying. Jeez. The the craziest thing is he could have just waited. Like, if he really wanted to, he could have just waited and attacked just him and destroyed everyone. But no, he did this, like, weird, systematic, like, declaration of war and attacking certain people and and legitimately giving them time to fight back. He legitimately gave them the time and methods to fight him and that was yeah and it was all because he's like if i was if i'm gonna be god i will earn my title or 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 something like that and it's just it's a really weird concept to make a lawful evil villain because you make somebody with a very strict moral compass like i think probably one of the best lawful evil villains i could think of is dr doom so, do you know why Dr. Doom became a bad guy? Well, I mean, depending on
1: the continuity, but isn't it basically because he didn't read Richards was better than him?
3: Um, no. In actually the original comics, one of the original ways he became a villain is because, um, he had a prophetic vision of the world. He had a because he was a a practicer of magic and science. He had a prophetic vision that the world would be destroyed if it wasn't under his control. And so he became like he weaponized Latveria and became this huge villain for just the sake of saving the world. But he knew that he would be the villain until he controlled the planet. He legitimately was um aiming for. Like, complete domination of the planet.
1: So I think in that sense, he'd probably be closer to a lawful good villain. Because even if the rest of the world sees him as evil, he believes he's doing what's right.
3: You know what? That's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably some in, in, interpretations where... um, Like, other interpretations of him could be, like, chaotic evil or stuff like that. But yeah, this, this specific interpretation, I would agree, would be lawful good for the context of villainy.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the difficulties with defining villains from comic book series that have been around for 60 plus years. They have like that, 20
3: different starting stories, unless you're Spider-Man. Yeah,
1: there's been a lot of different writers and who the character is and how they act is going to vary depending on which writer. That it was. Yeah,
3: Spider-Man's a
0: pretty hard case for that. One thing um, that there was a movie in the 90s called uh, the Demoli- called Demolition Man. Um, in it one, I think one of the weirdest, uh, lawful evil villains there is Dr. Raymond Cocteau, because he's not presented as the villain until you get halfway through the movie. Just for a short, you know, explanation of the film, there's, uh, John Spartan and this guy named Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix is a criminal in the nineties who has this giant rap sheet and blows up, a 40 P, pe- uh, building with 40 people in it. But the trigger mechanism for all the explosions was tied to something that John Spartan accidentally triggered. because he did that, John Spartan gets put into the what's called a cryo chamber. So they freeze him and give him basically therapy until he until he serves his uh, until he serves his time and then comes out at the end with all this um, stuff in his brain to to keep him from being uh, turning into a more violent tendencies. Now Simon Phoenix also goes through the same thing. Uh, What happens is that Simon Phoenix gets out of the cryo chamber. And at this point, it's so far into the future that there hasn't been a murder for 20 years. The police in that place are more of basically glorified referees or just uh, uh, crossing guards. They don't do much because they don't have to bother with these more violent cries because there hasn't been one. Now, Simon Phoenix gets out. And somehow figures out how to escape the uh, uh the facility by and at this point he does some really bad things. He's completely chaotic, evil. He rips a guy's eyeball out to take that, and the only thing he can't do is uh because of how money is processed in the future, he can't buy anything. But that doesn't stop him from doing from causing this reign of chaos throughout the whole plan. So Raymond Cactos uh tells the police that they have the authority to do whatever they want. To to stop Simon Phoenix and Cocteau has been nurturing and building up this entire utopian society. Now here's where things get a little awry. Their plan is to bring back John Spartan, who gets the nickname the Demolition Man simply because he won't stop blowing things up. I think there's a report like he once blew up a twenty. Uh, he once blew up a section of a mall worth over two hundred million dollars to save a person whose ransom is only ten thousand dollars. So they let him out, and he goes. Uh, and these guys fight in a whole, in uh, start tearing up the places. It's not until later that what John finds out is the reason why Spartan, uh, like the only way Simon Phoenix could have gotten out of this prison, is if he had the override command codes. The override command codes are only made by Doctor Raymond Cocteau. So he's been force feeding him and letting him run loose on the city. In the attempt to kill the one guy in the in this utopian future that he can't control a guy named Edgar friendly whose primary goal has been I just don't want to have to listen to all these rules all the time he even stays out of society he goes down into the sewers and lives in the sewer in the Los Angeles sewer system and people follow him as a leader and most of the time when he does any crimes up on the surface it's simply to steal food that's it because he's in the sewers, you can't grow anything down there.
1: I think that's that's kind of an example, really, of more of the, the most common interpretation, I think, of the lawful evil is order is the most important thing here. And if people aren't falling in yes. line with the order as you see it, and that that's one of the big things about Demolition Man, is a lot of the things that were quote-unquote utopian were actually kind of disturbing, like it's not the type of world I would want to live in, um, but it's the way this guy saw order and law as as perfect was to have these particular rules in place. Um, so it's when other people aren't getting in line with that, what are you going to do about it? That's kind of what makes the difference between a lawful good or a lawful evil person.
0: Yeah, what's also interesting is essentially all three of these characters are uh Edgar friendly. Um, Simon Phoenix and uh Doctor uh, Octo are all villains in their own right in this movie, but they all have different means for it, which is uh, kind of an interesting take for it. But yeah, essentially, he will do whatever he takes to keep and maintain this lawful this uh, society the the way he wants the society to go, even if at the cost of sending a psychopath out into the world. Because he sent it out, but he has no... but he just assumes that the that he can actually bring him back into justice, and he can't.
1: And really, that's kind of flawed thinking. I mean, if you can't take care of the guy who won't follow your rules but isn't violent, how are you going to take care of the guy who won't follow your rules and is violent?
0: He had a defense mechanism, but he uh, Simon Fix figured out a way around that.
3: You know, there's, there's a game series that I love to death called uh, the Tales of series um specifically Mm -hmm. tales of zillia they had a couple villains introduced in that series that were basically just that they were just fighting for order like um there were two big villains in the beginning half of the game which were gaius and um uh, the king of oh god i can't remember his name for the life of me but um, basically, like the two big villains that you fight in the beginning half of the game were entirely just about maintaining order. Um, though they had different ideologies on what maintaining order was. One of them wanted to maintain order by taking over the rest of the planet. The other one wanted to maintain order by basically just... Beating the other guy into submission. And they they were both kings, they were both at war, and basically you're just kind of caught up in it in the game. And like as the main character, uh, because you get to play two main characters in that game and you choose which storyline you follow, the story kind of doesn't really differ, but you get different perspectives.
2: Uh is this the series that Nathan really likes?
0: Yeah, this is the series that Nathan really likes. Um, I can't remember if it was the Tales of series or the Trails series. Oh, no. Trails of the Sky, I think it is? Or Trails of Cold Steel? Trails of Cold Steel. Tales of Cold Steel. Something like that. I think it's the Tales of... Trails of Cold Steel. Yep, that's the one.
2: Yeah, wait, I don't know if that's the one that Nathan... Nathan gifted them to me. Hang on, let me go, actually. I can find out if we're just seeing if this if this is the same series that our friend Nathan likes is all. Uh
3: it's it's trails. Trails of Cold Cold Steel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just can't when you said Tales of, I was like, is that the one that Nathan likes, or is it the Trails series that Nathan likes? So I'm just going to look it up really quick. That was all. I just figured while we while we had a lull.
3: Oh, uh no. The Tales of and the Trails of are two different series. Um the Tales of series has like these weird names at the end of their titles and they're all incredibly different series. But yeah, like, most of the Tales of Villains, like, in almost all of the games, are usually, like, lawful evil, we want to create order over everything. Um, in fact, Tales of Berseria, you're the bad guy in in this story. Like, Tales of Berseria is one giant revenge plot and... You want- the you're literally going to kill like the the Pope, basically.
0: <laughs> Trying to go like, punch out the Pope.
3: <laughs> like legitimately, your character's motivation is to go kill the Pope who gave hope to the world to defend against demons.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe you are the bad guy on this one.
3: Um, the thing is, though, um, that you find out later on in the game is that the Pope was going was the one who actually brought more demons into the world. And so you you find out that the pope is the one who brought the demons to the world and brought the salvation to fight the demons at the same time. And now he's doing it again to basically create uh he's creating a god basically. And this god will create stagnation in the entire planet. Like literally everyone will be an emotionless robot following a predetermined path that the god makes so therefore there is no more demons created and there is peace but it's basically a super pyrrhic victory on on peace because there's no free will anymore and it's it's just this like you're the bad guy but he's way worse
0: He's way worse, I guess. I guess we should let it slide.
3: Yeah. Like, legitimately, your main character is a chick with a demon arm who just, like, eats people through the arm.
0: Nice. But yeah, so essentially, Lawful Evil, they will maintain that order by any means necessary. Probably, arguably, Darth Vader is the king of the Lawful Evil. Will kill a thousand people to do the one job. As long as... The Emperor's uh, jump, he says, how high?
1: Yeah, I think they hint at it like it's easier to see in sort of the prequel series where you're sort of watching his as he progresses to being Darth Vader. But like the vast majority of reasons that he turns to evil are self-serving. You know, he gets he kills people because they killed his mother. Was it good that they killed his mother? No, it wasn't. But he killed people that had nothing to do with that. You know, he, he wants to keep Padme safe. That's like a huge thing on why he's doing all this is because he believes that even though he's doing all these destructive acts in the end, it will keep Padme safe. He'll be able to, like he'll get the power to resurrect her or whatever the crap. Um, and, you know, it's it's very poetic, of course, that it winds up doing the exact opposite of
0: that. But yeah, that's sort of your lawful e- evil in a nutshell. Now, moving on to the next status, it's Chaotic Neutral. Chaotic Neutral is short, from my understanding, it's basically hedonism. It's basically they do what they want.
1: My favorite char- Chaotic Neutral character, by far, is going to be Harley Quinn. And it, it, it'll it change a little bit depending on the writer, of course. Where she- And plus, she's undergone a lot of character development over the years. So where exactly she falls on the whole good evil thing or lawful chaos thing is a little bit up in the air, but she's pretty much always firmly on the side of chaos. Even (laughs) when she's fighting alongside Batman, she's mostly doing it because there's going to be some chaos involved.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't technically Deadpool fit this category, too? Deadpool's, yes,
0: but not for our purposes, because Deadpool doesn't...
3: Yeah, because it's not an antagonist. Deadpool's not actually the antagonist. Yeah. But, um...
0: Or has he been a dead well, antagonist? Like, like, I think when he started, he, 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 he was. He has been...
3: Yeah, he was an antagonist originally. Like, it, he flops, like Harley Quinn. It really kind of, like... Depends if you get the, like, fourth wall chaos demon Deadpool or the sad clown... Ah, uh, Deadpool.
0: Yeah, and it really sort of varies from writer to writer. Like from my understanding, Deadpool now isn't even anywhere near Deadpool that he when he started.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like
1: Harley Quinn. I think she. The reason you know she's not evil is because whereas the Joker has no limits, Harley Quinn does have limits. There are things that the Joker does that she's not really on board for, and she she goes along with it because she's in love with him. But, you know, she always kind of regrets doing it. When she separates from the Joker, she starts doing more heroic things, but never to the point where she's not a little self-serving. Yeah. Never to that point. You know, she's she's 100% willing to sacrifice her own needs for the needs of others. And she's also willing to sacrifice the needs of others to satisfy her own
0: needs. They move around a lot. That... That isn't exactly a straight line. It just wiggles a bit, but yeah. So they'll satisfy their needs, or sometimes that they are just a rebel without a clue or without a cause. In some cases, they're fighting the establishment. Why? (laughs) Um. And essentially, the big thing about it is a lot of times these guys aren't necessarily going to do evil acts. They they have a, a line for themselves. A weird example for that is in the movie Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Suter, the giant Jotunheim that the uh, who's has a giant fiery sword who's made entirely fire. His goal is to destroy Asgard. That is it. Eh, how when I get there, I'll get there. But I'm going to destroy Asgard. <laughs> By the time they put him on the, they bring him out to Asgard and he comes up. He does. He he trashes Asgard. He doesn't know that everyone's gone, and nor does he care. He's got one job, breaking Asgard, and I'm done. Yeah, it, it's literally my job
3: is to break this place, It's to tear this location down so it can be rebuilt. That's it. I don't give a shit if they're actually here or not. My job is to just break the place down. It's like a, like a construction guy. Right. Like, look, I'm here to blow... Yo, up. I'm just here to break this down, yo! Look, I'm here to blow up the building by five. You know, Ragnarok, it has to happen. It just needs to get
0: done. <laughs> uh, an interesting one who plays on this, even though he's got crazy, almost godlike powers, is Q, from, uh, especially in Star Trek Next Generation. Pretty much wants to mess with P- Picard. Whatever. <laughs> He's not really evil, he's just bored. And he's helped people out with his powers? He's not helped people out. Just sort of a, on the whims and the whimsy. <laughs> the only thing he like kind of regrets is maybe introducing the big bad of the Borg in the, into the series, but you, know, you you can't get it right all the time. Or um another one. Um and this is a kind of a, an interesting one is uh Andrew Ryan is pretty much chaotic and neutral. As long as it doesn't affect Ryan, he Rapture can go to from BioShock. Rapture can go to hell all he cares. Eh. <laughs> I I think I'd actually kind of disagree on that one. Um
2: I would too actually. I feel like he uh, Rapture is his baby. Like he came up with the idea from it. He created yeah. it. Like he had the help with, obviously he's not like an engineer or anything. He had a ton of help, but he like, that was his, his project. That was his baby based on, like, he saw the things that he didn't like about the world and about things that happened to him growing up and he wanted something different and what he thought was better. So I actually,
1: actually, you know, now that I think about it, I think you're right. I think he is chaotic neutral. Because the thing that he believed in more than anything else was economics, the invisible hand.
3: Yeah, like wasn't his end goal to literally just get the things he needs so he can rebuild Rapture?
2: Kind of. So Rapture.
3: So like Andrew, Andrew's sort of like
1: whole guiding principle was that a man has a right to what he has made essentially to the
2: sweat of his brow yeah
1: he's he he rejected capitalism because the government you know the united states government would take taxes and he didn't feel that that was right um and he rejected communism because they took kind of everything that you know what you made wasn't yours at all yeah and so he built rapture on the idea that if you make it, it is yours. Okay.
2: He also had very few. It was a, important to him to have extremely few rules, um, and so because he didn't want like a lot of interference in each person making their way, so there was a severe lack of rules because the more that there were, the more he felt it would hinder creativity so, and
3: like. Sorry, you you go on.
2: Oh, um it he just so a a lot of people that went down to rapture were controversial artists um like the there was one doctor who had parkinson's and was told that he couldn't um do surgery anymore and he was devastated by the news and so he was like i want to and andrew ryan was like well come on down to rapture but a lot (laughs) that's actually one of the things that happened um and he he just wanted people to make their own way however they felt that was necessary. And I read, so in the prequel novel, um, there's this one scene in particular that always really stood out to me. And it's Andrew Ryan walking with Ed McDonough, um, who was a plumber and who actually helped work on a lot of the water issues within Rapture. And... They're walking down, like, one of the main roads or main areas in Rapture, and this grocer comes running out of his store and is like, that grocer over there, Grocer B, (laughs) I don't remember her names, uh, but he was like, Grocer B keeps dumping his trash in front of my store, and people don't come in my store anymore because they because it smells out front. What are you going to do about it? And Andrew Ryan was like, what am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Like, get back at him, throw his trash back at his store or, you know, take his trash out and make your store nice again. Like, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do anything about it. And the guy gets so like, he gets so distressed over the, the fact that he won't, that and like nobody will stand up for him when he is in this distressful situation and so he runs inside, grabs a gun, and kills himself.
3: Yeesh. So, in other words, like, Andrew Ryan, his entire philosophy is on, like, self-efficacy and self-sufficiency. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Personal freedom yeah.
3: is his whole thing. Everyone.
2: Deal.
3: And, that, yeah, and everyone, that means no protection. Yeah, it's literally you do everything yourself.
2: A man is entitled to the sweat of his brow.
3: And I think, actually, a big
1: part, a big part of the plot, and I think the reason why Andrew Ryan is such a memorable villain is because he doesn't actually stick to those principles (laughs) as you go through the game so you're like his when he you're you're getting all these like logs and stuff of what happened before rapture went to crap um and and you find out he had basically he'd been investing in real estate you know he he was and especially down under the ocean real estate's kind of a big deal there's not a lot of livable space and so that's what he was putting all his money into.
2: Comes back to real estate.
1: But then, you know, along come all of all of these, you know, the the splice eaters and like here now everyone can suddenly have superpowers and genetic manipulation and all that. He didn't really see that arms race coming. He didn't see that business opportunity before it was too late to get in on the ground floor. And he started losing money. And then he decided, no. I'm not going to lose money. And that's when he started doing things like he would, he nationalized the public park, Arcadia, basically making it his because he's the, he's the mayor down there or whatever the crap, like he's, he's in charge government wise. And he says, this is his now. He annexed the whole place. He did. Wow. And he had, in fact, previously before founding Rapture, he had a park that the government was going to take over and turn into a national park and so he burned it to the ground just to keep that from happening. That is so now he went and did it himself as soon as it was a problem for him. That's so interesting.
0: Oh Andrew Ryan's fascinating villain.
3: I, I could never play Bioshock because I would always get too scared. <laughs> I I have It's a scary game. I have like I'm not gonna lie. I have such a low bar for horror. It's <laughs> hilarious, really.
2: I love horror games. I'll play them and stream them.
3: <laughs> There's this webcomic that I read uh called Hardcore Leveling Warrior. And like the end-all antagonist, it, it's basically theory of the game it, it, of the of the comic is you get to play a MMO in your sleep. Like it, you, it transports your consciousness while your body is sleeping into this game world, and um, it's just a giant MMO. And the main character is an asshole. Like, legitimately, he was the top number one player on on in the game, and he was a dick. And he uh, got hacked, and his and his profile got reset to level one. By the end of the comic. Uh, you find out that like the big villain is this like coalition of bad emotions, more or less, and it forms this kind of chaos God. The chaos God legitimately does not give a shit about the players, does not give a shit about his his own creations. Like they legitimately don't care about the world or anything. All they want to do, is go to the real world, and the entire latter half of the show is this force of destruction and chaos destroying the entire game world, um, to more or less manifest itself onto Earth.
0: Oh, that's not a good thing,
3: and and they succeed, by the way. Like, this is huge spoilers for like the last couple chapters they succeed they get to go to earth and they love earth they love earth so much they want to be connected to it forever but it's so chaotic it's so unbalanced and unpolished (laughs) so they start to merge with the planet
0: oh man this new mmo earth (laughs) not as cool as i thought going in there (laughs) Needs a patch update really good.
3: Like, that's actually what they call it in, in the story. Um, they call it a fucking patch update. When she starts merging, it's literally, it has an update bar pu- across the planet.
1: Seriously, Earth has some super balance issues.
3: It's it's a really good comic. <laughs> um, Hardcore Leveling Warrior is probably one of my most favorite main characters ever. Because it's the epitome of, like, a jackass who's good not because he's overpowered, it's because he knows how to do things. Yeah, that's that would probably be like my example of of chaotic neutral is like they just didn't they weren't like trying to do evil, they weren't trying to do good, they were just trying to get their one thing done.
0: So, the next up in this is the true neutral. Now, it's kind of weird to think of it as a true neutral antagonist, but you kind of have to relative as it's easier to think about it as balance. A true neutral antagonist typically doesn't—they don't. It's not about order. It's not about chaos. And it's not about the law. And it's not about how they're perceived as society. They just want the status quo to stay if they can do it. Um, an interesting one that I bumped into, as far as a for an example of a villain is. Um, it's a character named Agent Sands. He's in this movie called Once Upon a Time in Mexico. If you ever see, it's the third part of a trilogy. First is uh, El Mariachi, second is Desperado, and the third one is Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And what he wants to do is to level the playing field in Mexico. So he has this general who has been making who has been making trouble south of Mexico, and he had uh, and he also has this president who wants to. Reform a bunch of stuff in Mexico as well, but at the same time, a drug dealer, uh, a massive drug cartel, is also wanting to collect a whole bunch of power in, in, uh, in Mexico, and so in order for him to get, he wants to put all three of these guys in the same area, and because of that, it'll trigger a, uh, because of this, it'll trigger a mass fight between all three of these factions, but to make sure that everyone goes that everything goes the way that it's supposed to he convinces the um el, Mar- uh, el mariachi or a character from those movies to come in to kill the general because the general wants to have because the general killed his uh his wife so he uh so the general kills his wife meanwhile the drug dealers cuz he has this this recognized uh, author uh, notoriety of going in Mexico, going to places and killing drug de- uh, cartels and drug dealers all the time, that the drug dealers will stop him. So there's no vigilantism. And if it everything goes right, a mass riot will come in and deal with the president. And it's just a mess. Essentially, to remove these three big factions out of Mexico, he's going to put them all to fight together. And he just sort of wants to step out of the whole thing and just let it go, let it go what who wins who loses? eh, but it'll at least level out the playing field in this place. see, I think um that's that's sort of the difficulty
1: in getting a true neutral character is what is it that they do <laughs> you know i if if they're not motivated you know, to to keep order and they're not motivated to disobey order, if they're not motivated by their own self-interest or the interest of the public good, what are they motivated by and what do they do? And I mean, even, you know, the idea of neutrality means that you generally don't act when most people would. Mm -hmm. And that is very much goes against what antagonists are supposed to do in your story.
0: Yeah, it is a difficult one.
3: Yeah, there's there's one good example I could think of, and it's it's also from Jojo's. The big bad of part four of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Diavolo, like legitimately, his entire plan, his entire goal is to never be found. That's it. Like, legitimately, he's this big super mob boss who's feared by everyone. Nobody in his own gang knows his face. And his entire thing is that he just doesn't want to be found out ever, and so he seeks out um, this like the 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 power up for the the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure stand powers. I I know this very like loosely, but I do know the general idea, and it's it basically mm. Diavolo's entire ideology is I just want to keep my business running and not be found out by anyone um and he like has this split personality disorder where he has diavolo and then like polpo or something like that i i don't i don't remember what the other one was it, it jojo's names are weird jojo's is weird
0: <laughs> jojo's
3: basically like yeah, so like the original personality is just this really timid, meek person who was like thrown into juvie as a kid. She, he, no, he was born in juvie and had to basically be raised in prison. It scarred him enough growing up in that environment that it gave him two personalities. And one is the super meek, super like, I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to get involved with anyone. And then the other one is, you saw me, you die. You die, and I'm going to kill everyone else who's going to
0: try and find you. If I mean, if you're talking about a villain, and this is only an antagonist to literally Zap Brannigan, Zap Brannigan has a thing about the neutrals, because he doesn't know what they're going to do. Yeah. I love the neutrals. I love that. Um, he goes, sir, we're having a beige alert.
2: Tell my wife I said hello. <laughs> See, the neutrals is kind of an
1: interesting... Take on it because they're sort of not antagonists. They're not in general, but that's not what Zap. They're antagonists you know, because like... Zap Bragan- Brandigan is a protagonist, but he's only a protagonist <laughs> in that he's the, the focus character.
2: Yeah, is Zap really a protagonist?
1: <laughs> he is. He's not a good guy.
2: Well, I mean, he, I guess protagonist, a protagonist
1: and... and that's that's the important
2: protagonist and hero are two different things. Yeah. yeah yes that's true that's the reason why leo said this is about um this is about the alignments of antagonists not villains
3: it true neutral is the hardest thing to write because realistically as long as the main character stops putting their nose in the business of a true neutral antagonist nothing happens pretty much you literally just have to have like the nosiest person as your main character to make a true neutral antagonist.
1: I mean, one of the, one of the big issues with the alignment system that most people are going to run into is that it's kind of extreme. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. we generally identify as lawful good. Right. But like when you really get into it, going full lawful means ignoring personal freedoms and nobody wants that, you know, going full good means never getting what you want and always sacrificing for yourself of yourself and never getting anything in return people might say they want that but they really don't um and so in truth most people are actually looking for a balance and
0: that's what true neutral represents so it's hard to write that as a bad guy there is a way i've seen it done though Um, final fantasy X has uh sin which is the final one of the big bosses in Final Fantasy X? Sin is neither good nor evil. Sin is a destructive force, though.
3: So it's it's basically nature. You know, there's actually so uh, in Fate Stay Night. There is the Holy Grail. You know, the big the big thing for Fate Stay Night. Um, originally, the Holy Grail was a true neutral item. It just granted your desires. It it was just a big mass of magical energy that could do whatever the, whatever you wanted, and then it got corrupted uh, because basically people wanted more from it, and that's that's when it changed to this like chaotic evil monkey's paw. It went from a wish granting device to a oh you made a wish okay time to blow up like a third of the planet. Look, probably
0: shouldn't have asked for all of that. Bring it down some.
3: Like, legitimately, you could ask. You could ask it for something super stupid, like, "Oh, I want you know to be really tall." Okay, so it's going to kill everybody that's taller than you.
0: Reminds me of uh, Calypso from Twisted Metal. Any ending that you got was uh, twisted around by Calyp- Calypso. Sets up the whole Twisted Metal competition and steps away. Twi- Calypso will grant the his, his reward is, you will get your wish. You guys can go to dis- uh, whoever's the last survivor of this match. Calypso don't care. Nobody thinks about, uh, uh, you know, talking themselves down, destroy part of the United States, whatever. Um, and then whenever somebody talks to Calypso to get the reward, he's like, yep, I will give you that reward. And it's always like a monkey's paw situation.
3: Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, originally like the the Holy Grail was this super neutral relic. Um, it still kind of screwed you over. Um, because the entire essence of the Holy Grail War was, oh yeah, um, you're gonna summon people and kill them. That's it. You're just gonna sacrifice some souls to this object, and you, uh, one of you guys can get a wish. One of you. Out of the seven,
0: six are not coming back. um I think that's a, sort of all I've got for the true neutral. Now moving on to a different one for antagonists is lawful neutral. not lawful neutral is a very interesting place because essentially the law is the law. I that's that's sort of how lawful neutral understands the the uh, understands this. They're doing this uh, this act because that is what the law says to do. Um, you've got a lot of straw man characters, a lot of characters that, after thinking about it, know they should be asking the questions. Um, a good example of that is, if you ever watched the original, 1982, the original 1980s Ghostbusters, one of their antagonists is Walter Peck, an EPA government agent whose plan is to shut down the Ghostbusters. Why he's shutting down the Ghostbusters is because they don't have a li- uh, license for any of their highly experimental uh, radiation filled equipment like they know it works they know it's working fine but uh the epa has no idea how to even classify what they've got and so like yeah he kind of has a point
3: (laughs) yeah uh lawful neutral is a weird one
1: so i'm I'm trying to think and I, i i haven't seen the actual movie So it's, it's difficult for me to say whether or not this is a great example, but I I remember the fugitive and there's the guy that's chasing Harrison Ford. Oh,
0: the, the, the U.S. Marshal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like, you know, Harrison Ford is innocent. He knows he's innocent. The law don't know that the law wants to take him in. And so the Marshal sort of represents that I'm going to take you in. It doesn't matter to me. Whether you're you're good or evil, or even whether you're innocent or guilty, my job is to take you in,
0: and that's what I'm going to do. Oh, there's a great line from it, and it's in the trailer. So, like, uh Ford is standing at the side of this, uh, uh, gets to the escape from the from the marshal. They get to the edge of this dam, which is all this water's running, and he he's stuck between jumping off, you know, a dam and the U.S. marshal. And he turns to the US Marshal, he tells him, I didn't kill my wife. And the US Marshal's response to that is, I don't care. He literally does this. Is just what I have to do here. This is the losses I need to bring you in, and now's the time to do that.
3: I recently watched uh this weird show called Scissor 7 on Netflix. It the show is basically just like, Oh yeah, you're an assassin. Uh the like the main character is an assassin, and it's kind of episodic, so there's like a different antagonist every episode kind of thing in one of the episodes just bodyguard was hired by a dude and seven was hired to kill the guy who the bodyguard uh who hired the bodyguard um and so he like legitimately this bodyguard was just a dude who obeyed the law and was just doing his job protecting a guy and like he was he was the antagonist and like Uh, Seven tried to sneak attack and tried like underhanded tactics and every time this bodyguard would just come straight into his face and just go like yeah I'm here to protect this guy stop being a wuss and fight me (laughs) one on one face to face
0: and uh, yeah you go ahead no that's fine I was going on to a new one real quick Uh, but so, with this, now, as Rob has mentioned before, remember, uh, lawful doesn't always mean the law. Lawful can also mean a strict, rigid code. Now, this is where the Brotherhood of Steel falls in as an antagonist. The Brotherhood of Steel is a bunch of jerks. They, for the most part, with the exception of, like, a couple of exceptions, the Brotherhood of Steel are a bunch of jerks. But they will... They're... uh. Codifier for the Brotherhood of Steel from Fallout is find t- advanced technology, keep advanced technology,
1: and like they they have some semi quasi noble motivations for doing this because I mean let's face it the the world of Fallout is very chaotic. The vast vast majority of people that the Brotherhood of Steel is dealing with are bandits, so you know when ninety percent of your population is out to kill. Not the other ninety percent, you know it's everybody's out to kill everybody. It makes sense to keep the most dangerous weapons out of their hands, but the the thing is they don't really they're not good because they're not putting the advanced weaponry in the hands of good people who need to defend
0: themselves. They'll take the technology from those people as well it's It's literally just consolidation for them, yeah, like a really good example is in Fallout new vegas the um there's a but this is a real place by the way is a giant solar farm in the uh, uh in the Mojave Desert near uh, Las Vegas okay Helios One I believe it was called it's called in the game Helios 1 it actually has a different name in the real world but yeah Helios 1 if it was up to the Brotherhood of Steel they would destroy Helios 1 rather than let anybody else have this pa- have free power Yeah, And and that's the thing. It's super advanced technology, and one of the key things, it's difficult in a post-apocalyptic wasteland to make electricity. And Helios 1 is a giant solar farm. The sun didn't go away. You'll get sun, you'll get power. Like, I think you get the option of moving the power level to the, to New Vegas, or, because you can reroute the power to go to New Vegas, or reroute the power to go to uh, this other spot. Well, so, that's it's, it's a little bit more complicated than
1: that. Um, the real reason that the Brotherhood of Steel wanted to keep Helios 1 out of anybody else's hands is because that it was secretly being used to make a super superweapon. Um, you could basically... There's a satellite up in the sky that collects the energy and fires down a laser onto the planet. That's what Helios 1's true purpose is. And they wanted to keep that... They have an orbital cannon? Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to keep that out of anybody's hands. That's the whole reason they were trying to protect it. The fact that Helios 1 could also be used or instead be used to provide power to the people in the area and not be used for a destructive force at all is irrelevant to them. It can be used as a weapon. Therefore, it needs to be kept out of people's hands. And if that means destroying it, that means destroying it. Um your 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 quest as a player one of your options is to basically disable the weapon um and that's if if you're like part of the uh brotherhood of steel that winds up being your quest is you disable the weapon so that it's not a threat anymore um and then whether who you give the power to is actually more of a choice between the ncr and new Vegas than between the Brotherhood
0: and anyone else. The Brotherhood doesn't really care where the power goes after that. But that's their credo. That's what the Brotherhood does. And it's kind of sad throughout most of Fallout, because if you explore for the Brotherhood, they have the means to try to help out the world. They just choose not to, because that's not part of their credo.
1: And that's actually, that's like, it, there's sort of a big deal with, uh, in 3, one of the reasons a lot of people criticized 3 was because the Brotherhood started helping people. But... In game, in story, that was actually a huge deal for them. This this faction that started helping people was officially considered a separate faction from the regular Brotherhood of Steel because they weren't following the Brotherhood's credo anymore. They were doing something else. They weren't being, they were wanted to be lawful good instead of lawful neutral, and the Brotherhood's not okay with
0: that. Okay, so that's that's your Lawful Neutral. Lawful Neutral will always try... Well, basically, they go for the letter of the law on that. Uh, I don't know if anybody has any other Lawful Neutral characters they can think of, or antagonists. I can't think of anything. All right, so we'll go on to the next one. Now, this is where things get a little interesting. This is the good side of things. Good in air quotation marks, depending on how you put it. So let's start with the the relatively easier one of these to do. This is the chaotic good category. Now, chaotic good is doing essentially good deeds, but the rules kind of are squiggly. They're they're very you know liquidy. They're they're not exactly there. So this is where a lot of your anti heroes, your um, Robin Hood types, but you can have antagonists and villains on it. Some of the ones that are out there are just sort of how you put it, the Punisher. At least in the Spider Man run, uh, the earlier, early Spider Man run of comics, the Punisher was a Spider Man villain. Still had the same rule set. But if the Punisher thinks you're an evil dude, the Punisher is going to shoot you.
3: Yeah, there there was like a very strict black and white with early Punisher. It was literally just, ah, oh, you did a small petty theft of like taking a couple bucks from a, a beggar's hat. Time to get shot.
0: The Punisher don't care. An interesting one. Is uh, and the thing with a lot of these uh, villains, they are and antagonists. They start as antagonists and then they sort of evolve into something else later. A lot of times, a g- really good example is Jet from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Jet, when he's Jet's first introduced, has plans to stop this, uh, to take out this dam. To stop the encroaching uh, Fire Nation, right? It's not until later that he, uh, that he, you know, that he, there's people down there, and the, this particular part of the Fire Nation isn't actually doing anything wrong. They're, well, they're doing certain things wrong, I forget, uh, but not much. They're still helping out all these re- refugees that are there. So, like, what
1: Jet's kind of an interesting example, a really interesting character because it's a deconstruction of the of the Robin Hood type. Um, it's what happens when you take that to the extreme, which is really what makes you an antagonist is when you, when you take any of these motivations too far, um, you know, cause he's, he's down with, he's down with rules. He's down with society. He don't like that. He, he wants to be on his own and he wants to be free. And here's the fire nation. They are pretty, uh, you know, they're evil. They're, they're starting a war. They're killing people. They're the bad guys he doesn't differentiate though, between civilians and soldiers. And that's really where the problem comes in. He wants to take out a town full of civilians because they are fire nation civilians.
3: It's, it's literally just, he does, he fights against the nation of the fire nation, not the, the bad part of the fire nation. It's, He's not fighting the military of the Fire Nation, he's just
1: firing, fighting the Fire Nation as a whole. And in his eyes, that's a good thing. And that's
0: kind of the important part here. He doesn't see it as an evil act. He sees it as a good act because of how it's happening on that. Like
3: To, to expand on that, technically, like early Zuko could probably qualify in the good category of one of the three like uh, areas, because... He thought he was doing the uh, good by doing this mission for his father. It was not specifically because he was doing good that he did it. It was because of the fact that he was ordered. But still, the fact of the matter was his belief in killing the Avatar would bring good things for the Fire Nation.
0: Like, he stopped the Fire Nation's biggest adversary.
3: Yeah. And, like the thing about good antagonists or good aligned antagonists is their belief in what they're doing is right and just for the betterment of people and i've always thought that was really interesting a lot of like antagonists that i usually make in DD games are usually chaotic good where they do have a they do have an end goal that is good, but it's just the means that they use to get there that qualifies them as antagonists to most people.
0: I'll save the city, but I'll also end up accidentally burning down half the city while I'm doing it. I I think
1: actually that burning down half the city while I'm doing it is part of what makes it difficult to make a chaotic good antagonist. Because as readers... As as consumers of content, we like a little chaos. In fact, in a lot of cases, we like a lot of chaos. Explosions are fun to watch. But we can't do that in real life. Um, So here's a guy who's causing explosions, and maybe he's misguided, but he's trying to do it for the right reasons. You
3: instinctively want to root for that guy. The only time that it becomes like a bad guy scenario for that specifically is when actual people are getting hurt and and you're it is framed in a way where what they're doing isn't good for people. And it's it like like Rob said, it's really hard to write that.
1: Mm-hmm. And so like in that instance, it's actually a matter of Perspective, And I don't I don't necessarily mean like what's truly good and evil. I mean, like the perspective of the camera. How zoomed in are you on that chaos? You know, if you if the camera is zoomed out and you just see a city explode, but you don't see any bodies. You don't feel so guilty about that. But if you're zoomed in on the explosion and there's blood everywhere and there's children crying because they're like missing arms or some crap like that, suddenly it's evil. But realistically,
0: that is exactly what happened in the first instance. You just didn't see it. There's an there's a old quote from oh, Mel Brooks, uh, famous comedy director Mel Brooks. And he, somebody asked him, let's say you uh, asked him about this, proposed this question about that and he goes here's the difference between comedy and tragedy let's say you have a guy falling down the st- the stairs if you are within a few feet that's a dra- that's a that's tragedy you zoom out and it's 100 feet out this is comedy the difference between drama and comedy is the lens there was an episode of uh, an old uh cartoon network show called Megas XLR and the main character the main hero of the story his name is Coop um is destroying who just regularly, on the regular, will destroy cities. Just, just people happen to not be there. There's a villain that he's trying to stop. The villain quits because he assumes that Coop is the villain of this place and is just way more evil than I am because of all this needless destruction. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right. So, can, can I go on a little side tangent on how I built a, a, a chaotic good villain? Sure, I guess. Uh So... In my previous D&D campaign that Rob was a part of, um, the final antagonist was a guy named Tadell. Tadell Gokind. Um, Realistically, by every single descriptor I gave of this guy, you thought he was this chaotic evil villain. He was super fucking evil. He would just murder people left and right. He had super boss monsters as pets that he would just send out and just murder entire swaths of armies. And he took over one of the most powerful nations on, on my planet. Come later, the party found out the reason why he did all of this bullshit and was trying to go back into the past to kill basically the mixture between like Santa and Jesus
0: Santa Jesus. Like,
3: Santa Jesus mixed with Chuck Norris. That's that's who this guy was trying to go back in time to kill. Um, the reason why he did all of this was to basically wipe out the gods. Because the gods did not care about people. Um, the gods were very neutral. They literally just let the world play out as it were. And never really involved themselves. And Tadell hated the fact that they basically had a, a big brother that if they went too out of line, they would get wiped out. And um and so he sought out to basically change history. Um, but the thing is, doing so would kill so many people and wipe out so much of history uh and the party had to stop that um not and they and they they ended up doing it not because of the gods telling them to but they chose to to do it because in reality they didn't want their lives to change they didn't want they didn't want all these people to get erased i I don't know what what um Ethan's main goal for for defeating Tadell was, but
1: uh Ethan's goal is pretty much that. Yeah, I mean, despite Tadell's good intentions, he was doing way too much harm. And good intentions in kind of quotation marks.
3: <laughs> yeah, like legitimately, he was like murdering so many people to achieve an end goal that would have granted a lot more free will to people, but it would have also made a lot of things a lot more difficult. <laughs>
0: And he just didn't see that far. Okay. Sorry. So, no, you're fine. Um. So yeah, but yeah, that's sort of level good. Leo's,
2: Leo's just not good at, like, transitions.
3: I, neither am I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just star wipe this part. Speaking of transitions, neutral good.
0: Thoughts? Yeah, so neutral good personally is probably the most difficult antagonist I could think of to do next to, like, true neutral. Because... Neutral good is tends to be doing good for the good, and it's a lot more of the, from the way I've seen it on this one, is it's a lot more in the aspect of, or how the person is actually doing the action in order of to do good, that makes it neutral, and then you have to kind of question if... This is actually a good thing or not. So I found some very uh, it was hard to find, but I found a couple of references that I could work with on this one. One of the ones I found is in the show Supernatural. At some point there's an episode with a character with a that with a character named Amy Pond. No relation to the Doctor Who character, also named Amy Pond. Like a demon fox. I couldn't say? Something like that. Anyway. K- kitsune. Kitsune, thank you. So she's a Kitsune. And one of the things that the kitsunes do is that they have to feed off um, brains of people. Now, uh, our main hero of the story, um, Sam Winchester, bumped into Amy Pond at the uh, early on in their life. And Sam had the opportunity to kill this monster, just like he does with any other monster, but decided to let her, let her, let her go. Sam regrets it. It's been years and years and years later, and he bumps into her, uh, to Amy again. And so Sam decides to talk to her and try to figure out what's going on with that. As it turns out, Amy Pond, even though she's a katsune, hasn't done anything like evil or bad or anything. In fact, what she did was she got a degree in uh medical science so she could work at the morgue, so she could bring home the brains of dead corpses and just feed off of that. Technically, stealing still you know not uh the guy's not using it anymore really this became a problem though because what happens is that Amy Pond has a son and her son because she's so young is getting sick from eating so much dead brains because he hasn't had any fresh uh fresh brains and at some point she does some research tries to find these worst terrible terrible people so she can kill them take their brains bring uh uh bring it home to 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 heal her son all the people that she's killing are all really really bad people though and but because these people are dying is what brings the attention of sam and dean winchester to go hunt them down so is their antagonist but realistically has he done anything bad
3: like it's very much a vigilantism kind of angle uh for that character in particular um A really so here's a neutral good antagonist that I have, which is Lupin the Third. Um, Lupin is a thief. Like Lupin is literally just like a a thief with a heart of gold, Robin Hood-esque character. He is chased by an Interpol detective every single time. And this detective is legitimately a a a good person. He is he acts in the safety of others. He is a like generally good person who usually ends up working with lupin when he learns about how bad the villains are but until then he is literally just hounding him and then as soon as the like villain is defeated um the actual like villain villain of the plot is defeated he just goes back to being an antagonist for lupin again and just starts chasing him down
1: so I don't think Lupin fits in here, not because he's not a villain, but because he's not an antagonist. No. He's actually a protagonist.
3: No, no, I I, I mean the, the detective that chases him, the Interpol detective.
0: Detective Zenigata? That's yeah. the
3: name. Yeah. I kept yeah. forgetting his name.
0: Inspector Zenigata. Or Inspector Zenigata. Oh, literally was
2: telling me about this earlier today. <laughs>
1: well, the thing is, Inspector Zenigata is not really neutral good as a thing. He is lawful good. He is obeying the law sometimes to a fault. Yeah, he is a lawful okay. good. Often to a fault. Well, I mean,
3: actually. he does bend the rules to work with Lupin.
1: A little, but I mean, you can you can bend the rules a little and still be lawful. Like his okay, his whole modus operandi is that he's working for the law.
3: Yeah, okay. That's that's fair.
1: It's just to him good is more important.
3: Yeah. It's it's basically all been the rule when when it's absolutely needed, not when it's more convenient.
0: So the reason why this one's kind of fun, center, neutral good is on the basis that still killing people, not good. However, the people that are killing are super bad people, and the cause is just, because the cause is literally to keep her son alive.
1: Yeah, I think this is where you're going to run into a lot of problems with antagonists, because as a general rule, you don't want your readers to root for the antagonists and for the most part neutral good characters are characters you're going to root
0: for
3: this kind of reminds me of an old anime that I I watched a long time ago called the legend of legendary heroes
0: there's two legends in that
3: yes it is it's a long title and it's a really weird show but like the way the story is set up one of the antagonists of the story is written as a hero through the entire story. And he's not a lawful hero. He like he literally kills and manipulates and works his way up to becoming king. But they make it justified and written like, this man is a good person because he's doing all of this to better the kingdom and better the people. And he's sacrificing... His uh, freedom and abilities and all this stuff to to do this. And by the end of the show, he has become this weird mixture of everything I do is for the kingdom. So everything, everything, uh, all, all the kingdom sees him as like the, a saint and a hero. But everyone else sees him as a monster because he will literally just wipe towns out because they have a threat to the kingdom and the main character worked for him until basically he became too dangerous to work with so they threw him in jail and then he had to break out and basically run away from the king like some of the people he kills aren't even like justifiably evil they're not like villains or bandits or anything like that it's like oh there's a theory or an idea that they're hiding. Uh, there's there's some people hiding this village. He doesn't even confirm if it's whether they are or not. He'll just kill the village. Like, but every time he does something, everyone's like, "Oh, he's a hero. He just defended us." And it's like it's, it's that weird dichotomy of neutral good is again one of those things about perspective. The good aligned and protagonist or antagonists the good aligned antagonists are all really hard because it's all about perspective who sees them as good and who sees them as evil is really up to where the camera lens is.
0: Yeah. Um. One I bumped into there's a CW show called Stargirl and in the first season of it, the final you see, and it's all about legacy. So there's the kids of the, Adults who were part of the Injustice Society of America, right? And these are some bad people, Solomon Grundy. And they're all DC characters, so like Solomon Grundy, the Magician, uh, Icicle, and um, Tigress, Sportsmaster. So all of these villains, right? So you find uh, they've been doing these weird acts all over the place, doing all these bad things for it. And then they finally get to the end where they can uh, implement their manifesto. And they bring up a giant satellite dish. To put uh, thoughts into the minds of all the of of people all across the United States, which are to recycle, reuse some of their stuff, you know, basically be better people.
3: (laughs) That's their plan. At the end, literally, just mind control the masses into
0: recycling. That's mind controlling the masses into recycling, using less fuel, taking care of the environment. Growing your own gardens to help out with food. I'm like at at some point even the heroes are sitting going are, are should we should we even stop this? Like they're not they're not doing
3: anything like should we?
1: <laughs> should we? So actually I I think probably a good example, and, and again this is this is open to debate, would be poison ivy. Um because she it's not so much she's not really against the law per se she's not going out like breaking the law for the sake of breaking the law like so many batman villains are um but really her her sort of big thing is that she values plants as much as or better than humans yeah and so she's an ecoterrorist. she what her primary motivation the vast majority of the time is someone's polluting and killing the plants And I have to stop them. And she does that by murder. And if it weren't for the fact that she protected plants by murdering people, Batman would probably never even try to stop her.
0: Yeah, probably not. You had me up until murder. That's where I had to draw the line. Just
3: like Poison Ivy comes and just goes like, hey, I've got a great plan to save the planet. Okay, what's the plan? Pulls out a gun. (laughs) That's the
0: plan. (laughs) All right let's we should might want to table that maybe have a discussion <laughs> um i'm not taking it off the table not saying no just saying let's see if there's another plan we got on this yeah, i can so. also stab someone once again thinking good thoughts um <laughs> there's no wrong answers here um it sounds like a bad pitch me so right <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll move on to the last one. And the last one is probably the most decisive, but because it's so extreme. And that would be lawful good. Lawful good is both doing good and being, uh, and obeying the rules of society. Being the law and being good. This is where antagonists antagonist can get kind of difficult, because your antagonists, generally by nature, should be evil or chaotic or something that you kind of need to stop. Why are you stopping a lawful good? And this either has to deal with perspective or extremism is sort of the two big ways I've seen where this where this kind of works out. Like, we were talking about it before, Inspector Zenigata. Yeah, Inspector Zenigata from Lupin III is an Interpol agent, but at no point that will he bother to do anything that's crazy violent, and his primary goal is to—and he will arrest anybody else if they're more dangerous than Lupin.
1: See, Inspector Zenigata, I always thought, was kind of a fun character, because it's not that he's bad at his job. It's that Lupin is better. Um, and so he's been chasing Lupin for literal decades. And, like, every now and again, he does get the upper hand, but it's, it's pretty much only because Lupin wants him to. The only times, Lup- yeah. the only times Zenigata successfully arrest Lupin and actually gets him into jail is because Lupin needed to get into jail.
3: If I remember correctly, in the the more recent Lupin movie, he legitimately calls Zenigata to come arrest him so they can get a helicopter to go to the villain.
1: yes. Because they're out in the middle of literal nowhere, just like a freaking desert, going to die of thirst. How are they going to get here? I know one man who will go to any corner of the earth to reach me. I think that was the actual line. And that is Inspector Zenigata. Um, But like, he the, but the thing is, like, as soon as a more powerful villain comes along, or a more evil villain comes along than Lupin, Zenigata goes after them. Uh, because he he, under, he understands that Lupin, even though he's unlawful, isn't really evil. You know, he he's a thief primarily. He really doesn't kill very often, and the people that he kills are pretty much exclusively bad guys. So who who am I gonna go after? The thief who kills bad guys, or the guy who's trying to take over a country and murdering? people all along the way. Yeah, probably going to go after the serial killer. That's more important right now. And that's why he keeps his job because he's got this impressive rap sheet of capturing villains that Lupin was going against.
3: Would Injustice Superman count for a lawful good? In
0: this context, yes, cuz he well, yeah, ultimately his goal is the betterment uh is to be good and to be better. So, okay. Kind of having to backtrack a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of have to explain injustice and the injustice games and such for that, or that one. So, short story of this one: Joker gets tired of dealing with Batman. Joker decides to go after Superman instead. So, one of the things Joker does is kill Lois Lane.
3: Well, he has Superman kill Lois Lane.
0: Oh yeah, he has Superman kill Lois Lane. Yeah, and when he does that, uh, Superman comes back. Uh, back super pissed off and kills the joker straight up just takes him out and when he does that he puts sort of this big rift between him and all of the others or other um justice league members on the basis that yeah i i've just finally had it i'm any of these supervillains that are just up to no good i'm just taking them out screw the rules on
3: it like he literally just said i'm tired of playing mr nice guy i am just Flat out, like I'm making my world
0: order in in the end, and so he does become basically all of the lawfulness in the world because he makes the uh makes order controls order on that. And at the same time, I mean, there's no uh the amount of murders that are out there have gone significantly down, crime has gone down because most people are afraid of dealing having to deal with Superman, technically doing a bunch of good and being lawful. Superman is still an over controlling jerk at this point, though. There was
3: there was a um there was a video I watched a long time ago that that said the most interesting villains are paragons. Basically, the best heroes make the most wonderful antagonists because they're un they're unshaking in their determination and in their like Kind of like with chaotic evil, you can't negotiate with a lawful good antagonist. They just—they're just rock solid in what they believe. Like Zenigata, I think would be the kind of one of the the like, like we said, you can't ever get Zenigata to do anything unlawful. He will always go with the side of the law. That actually, but. He will take the worst out of the situation.
1: So it actually kind of reminds me, there's this webcomic that I really love, really popular. You guys probably heard of it, Order of the Stick. Um, Yeah. There's a character in there, I believe her name was Miko, but she was a samurai. And she was lawful good to the most extreme of lawful good like other paladins couldn't stand her because of how stalwart she was in her lawfulness and any tiny deviation out of lawfulness or goodness was to be met with extreme measures and that's what made her an antagonist you know she was fighting against the heroes her goal was please bring these heroes to me and it's you know the king is asking her the king technically wants them to stand trial, but really he wants to um, he wants to hire them and he just has to do it in kind of a roundabout way. She decides the king is asking for these people. they must be pure evil. And so she treats them as such. Um, and like even even afterwards, even after she finds out that they're ostensibly the good guys and they are trying to save the world, she never really treats them with respect. She's always kind of hostile towards them even if she's not actively fighting them. And she winds up, she's so certain in her view of what is lawful and what is good, that even when she does an objectively unlawful evil act, she can't perceive it that way. So like she winds up killing the king because she finds out that he is doing some manipulations behind the scenes, because that's how royal intrigue works. When she does it, she loses her paladin status. The gods revoke their powers from her because she just committed a chaotic evil act. But she can't even comprehend that 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 was that. Obviously, my paladin powers being taken away must be some sort of test from the gods. And and it doesn't actually mean that what I've done was wrong.
0: You done murdered? Nah, that can't be it. no no
3: that's that's not evil i killed a bad guy that wasn't a bad guy but he was doing bad things he he was doing his job you know what never mind
1: he was doing debatably bad things
3: like it's perceptionally bad i i honestly think the navy from one piece would def like the world government and navy would totally fit into this scenario Mm -hmm. um because you know one piece is about pirates and obviously the the antagonists uh, to pirates is the law um specifically like the 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 commander um later on in the series he becomes a commander of the navy and his name's like uh, uh, a canoe or something He he's a lava man and like legitimately there were uh navy members who would work with pirates who would like willingly work with pirates they even had um privateers they had hired pirates to capture other pirates as soon as akinu came into power he put on a wanted notice for all of those privateers and he sentenced them all to basically be thrown into the clink all of them it did not matter anybody who waved a pirate flag was going to be either killed or captured
0: you done pirating that's all I need to hear
3: Yeah, like it, he was, he was so, he, like, even to the most recent chapters, he's so dead set on just like unflinching and unflexible. Like, even if there is a very bad person, and the only way to win is by working with a pirate, he will literally tell, he will still try to arrest the pirate and fight the bad guy at the same time.
0: Uh, probably the last good example I could think of, which is probably every cop that you have to deal with in Payday. Remember, you are a set of criminals. <laughs> yeah, Payday, you are a set of criminals. You do the murder, and a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. And you work for some really bad people. Yeah, gotta give you on that one.
3: I, I also have a, one last one, Uh, which is... um. Angels in Disgaea. So in, in Disgaea, uh, in almost all the Disgaea games, you're demons. You're like, literally the main cast is demons. And specifically in Disgaea one, the main antagonist is like the right hand of God, uh, the Seraph of, of all the angels. And, um, all of their minions are, like, trying to fucking kill you. Like, I think chapter two, they introduce the first angel, uh, Flan, who's an angel trainee, and they, like, the Seraph literally just goes up to her and just goes like, hey, go assassinate the king of the demons. You got this right. She fails epically. Um, like, horrifically bad. But, uh, basically in all of Disgaea 1... You are fighting angels as demons, and these angels legitimately are like, Hey, we need to take out these demons because they're causing too much chaos. And they're right, yeah, like they are in a succession war for their new king, and it is spilling over into the human world, and it is causing too much chaos. So, we need to take out these fucking demons. So, legitimately. They're not bad. They're perfectly lawful and good. You are legitimately the bad guy. Kind of. Like, your, your, your main character is like, I just want to be king of the demons. Your your main character is the prince of, of hell. Uh, the prince of the netherworld. And he was in like a three-year coma. He woke up, found out his dad died, and people are fighting for his crown. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm beating everyone down and showing them who's boss.
1: Um, speaking of, I know, you, I know you guys said one last, but I'm going to one last that one last.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: because cause I think the lawful good antagonists are mostly going to show up when you've got a villain protagonist. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. But Dr. Horrible, sing-along blog. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Hammer... lawful good, 100% a jerk.
3: That, yeah. Yeah,
1: it checks. (laughs) You know, Dr. Horrible is a villain. He knows that he is a villain. He does crime. He is proud of it. But he's also a super nice guy. (laughs) Like, you know, he's got a crush on the girl at the laundromat. He doesn't go out of his way to kill anybody. Actually, like, the big crux of the thing is that he doesn't want to kill anybody, but he has to in order to get into the legal evil. Um, Meanwhile, Captain Hammer, well, he's a hero. He's the good guy. He stops the bad guys. He saves lives. But he's doing it purely to feed his own ego. He does it because he gets praised for doing it, and and that's it. And, like, the way he treats people in his personal life is poor to to put it simply. He doesn't treat them well. He figures out uh, Dr. Horrible's secret identity and then steals his girlfriend just to be a giant middle finger to Dr. Horrible. That's pretty much it.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and whereas Dr. Horrible spends the entire series, like really sort of flip flopping and struggling with this idea of I have to kill somebody in order to reach my goals. Captain Hammer, basically as soon as he gets the excuse, is ready to kill. He sees that Dr. Horrible has built a death ray and decides, oh, you have escalated this to the point where killing is okay, therefore I'm going to kill you with your own death ray. And the only reason he doesn't succeed is because he accidentally broke the death ray. (laughs) And it exploded in his face, and it really, really hurt.
3: <laughs> I okay. I, I just like sla- slight tangent on that. That ending was so hilarious to me because it's just like big, strong, muscly man, like Superman level of of indestructibility and all that stuff. As soon as he gets the first inch of pain, he cries like a three year old, <laughs> and it's just brilliant
1: (laughs) well i mean because that's that's really feeding into his character you know he's got this whole ego and part of that is because he's untouchable
3: yeah you know yeah yeah he can have
1: whatever he wants he can do whatever he wants and he gets praises when he does good quote unquote (laughs) and and nothing's ever really been able to stand in his way the very moment he runs into an obstacle he doesn't know what to do he's never faced that and
3: so he breaks down and it's it is the greatest comedy act
0: (laughs) Uh, All right. So with that, I think that that's a good place to start to wrap this up. Now, I know this is a long one for everybody, so thanks for hanging in there for it. Real quick, there's a couple of uh, villains and antagonists that I think you should try to explore and see where you want to put them. Dr. Doofenshmirtz is a villain. Figure out where that guy goes, because he's one of my favorites, too. He's a good one. Senior Senior. Bored old guy. (laughs) Good luck on that one. Um, Any other, like weird villains or antagonists you want to throw out there for everybody else here as sort of a final thought. Yeah, you know what? I'd kind of like to hear about who you
1: think does not fit onto the chart, period.
3: Yeah, there there are some like really detailed villains and antagonists that legitimately just don't make sense on any of these spots, because they fit multiple, depending on when you read them. So, like, I want to see some of those, those villains, uh, or not villains, but those antagonists that just... Kind of break the chart.
1: Tom and or Jerry.
3: Jeez. Which one's the Which antagonist? Which
1: one even is the antagonist? <laughs> where, where would they fall on this? I don't know.
0: All right. With that being said, though, if you can figure out any other ones, that's going be great. Our next episode will be available on August 19th. Thanks for everybody who's hanging out there. And I think we'll just wrap it up from here. This is Gaming Theater Podcast with another EXP boost. Thanks for listening. And this is Gaming Theater Podcast. Logging out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
2: Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some financial support to help with producing things for Gaming Theater, you can do so at patreon.com/gamingtheaterpresents. It helps us out. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.